Hey folks, uh, just before today's episode, I wanted to apologize. I seem to have had a bit of a recording issue with my voice specifically uh, during this one. So it's a little bit rougher and uh, a little bit more echoey, but it's still a fantastic episode and I hope you enjoy it. All right, bye-bye. Well, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Dirty Twenties Podcast. My name is Marcus Dusik, and with me, as always, we once again have four ritzy and red-hot role players. Ain't none of them a rube. Please introduce yourselves, adventurers. Hi, I'm Elliot, and I'm going to be playing Lizette. I'm Toby, I'm going to be playing Lonlin. I'm Craig, and I'm going to be playing Salem. I'm Richard. I'm playing cricket, and I went last for the first time. <laughs> oh my god, it was so good, and it only got ruined because we commented on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we got to do it, it over. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. All right, one more time. Hi, I'm Richard. Play cricket. <laughs> uh, I'm yeah, uh, amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for rejoining us. So. Last we left off, our intrepid adventurers, making their way towards the churlish gnome in hot pursuit, flying their new ship, the SS, the oh SS, the greatest mistake, or the SS greatest mistake. I, I think I, I, we called it the SS, the greatest mistake, just because it sounded weirder. All right, whichever one it was, uh, <laughs> making their way, flying through the air, accompanied by. Uh, Lonlin summoned Celestial Steed, Dandelion. As you were making your way towards Olmeneus, following the tracks after uncovering a bunch of information about what the uh, Churlish Gnome was up to, you were flying through the air. Dandelion ran forward, uh, galloping beside on these pads of glowing light, uh, turned back towards Lonlin, communicated something to Lonlin that the rest of the party doesn't know. Uh, Lonlin jumped onto Dandelion's back, calling out that she would catch up. And the rest of the party, devoid of their moral compass, decided that the best course of action was to elect Captain the Cat as their moral compass. And so, asking for any sort of decision from Captain the Cat, they presented him with multiple different options and he interpreted them in a perfectly normal and reasonable way that a cat does, including when presented with the option of whether or not to call in Al MacGuffin or Argentina Coldhearth, knocked both of the setting stones out of Salem's hand, also proceeded to continue chasing Pierre around. And you eventually, as you were flying through the air, found a actually before we uh, describe what happened with the uh, the village was any other like notable uh moral decisions made by captain i can't remember any offhand i think it started like it was more of when we got to the village uh oh, captain started right. making more decisions yeah yes. that's true uh, captains also well, captain i think it was that we made decisions on behalf of captains 
Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because yeah. Captain's locked in a cabin. Well, right I think now. what it was was <laughs> Captain ended up getting locked in the cabin. Yeah. Uh, this this recap is going all over the place. Yeah. Um, there was a village you saw smoke in the sky. Turns out the little village had been burnt. Uh, and you went to investigate. And of course, with your moral compass uh, leading you, before you jumped off the ship in like cool superhero poses, there were a bunch of questions asked to the cat and given a whole bunch of bad decisions, uh, bad advice, or maybe great advice, depending on where you come from. Uh, and then you decided to lock cabin or lock captain in the cabin so that Pierre could safely stay aboard the ship and then fly it down to you as you went to investigate the village. Uh, you saw there that the village had almost, it was kind of like destroyed just because it was in his way. But the Churlish Gnome had summoned two blue slads uh, and done a whole bunch of fire damage, burning most of the buildings, killing pretty much everyone there, except for two people, the first of which you encountered in a building, clutching his stomach and uh, apologizing to you before dying and turning into a red slad, which, very quick thinking, was pinned below the immovable rod by Cricket, uh, essentially restraining this slad before Lisette summoned another slad to eat this one slad. And uh, you then found, you dispatched this slad, you found the other survivor who was trussed and bound in some bushes off to the side who said that the Trillish Gnome wanted to leave a message that it was too late, he would already be in the water. And then this person described seeing the Churlish Gnome jump onto the back of one of the blue slads and they them all stepping into a portal, which you were able to determine was some sort of like mild version of plane skipping. Uh, and then you called down for your airship to rejoin you. And as you did, just as it was about to land, you heard the cabin door slam open. Pierre scream, the ship lurched to its side uh, slammed into the ground, breaking one of the side masts. Pierre runs out of the ship, followed quickly by the cat. And as we come back into the action, cresting over a hill, looking down at this, we see a beautiful gray pony bestridden by a beautiful dwarven woman as Lonlin rejoins. And before we get into what's going on with the rest of the party, Lonlin, a little recap of what you did last week as well, while you were off. So, Dandelion had turned around and told you in your mind, Lonlin, we must go save this person. They need us, they have prayed, and I have heard it. And jumping onto Dandelion's back, you rode down from the sky to a small little village where you, where you saw that there was a cat stuck in a tree and that there was a little kid who was fervently on the ground praying and hoping for someone to help rescue their cat. Lonlin, what would you have done? Well, how big is this tree to start? Uh, it's about a, uh, you know, a regular sized tree. Uh, the cat's probably about 20 feet up in the air. Well, she would absolutely try to climb the tree and get the cat from the tree. All right. Uh, Lonlin, just make me an ac acrobatics or athletics check, please. 
That's a 19 on the die, so it's 27. Okay, absolutely. Uh, with a 27, it's no problem at all. Uh, you're able to get up to the cat. Uh, and now just make me an animal handling check, please. Good, I'm so good at those. <laughs> uh, that's a three. <laughs> uh, you managed to rescue the cat, not because you are carrying the cat down, but as you approach the cat, uh, the cat is in that like startled, like fight or flight kind of mood. And as soon as you get up there and try to reach for the cat, the cat uses your arm and your body and your legs as a ramp uh, and like scratches runs over your body down jumps on like from your feet jumps onto dandelion's back slams their claws into dandelion's back then jumps off and darts into the woods uh and dandelion neighs and bucks and brays uh and the person on the ground this little uh human child oh you 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 got you got buttons down Thank you so much. Um, where did they go? You know, <laughs> I I think they went that way, but you know, I it's not a very nice cat. Oh, um, I'm sure Buttons was just scared, uh, but also I've never actually pet Buttons. It, wait, is is it even your cat? Well, I feed it. Um, and it, it comes to the house and demands food and I, I give it food and then it, um, lets me look at it. Uh, it's very cute. It's, it's very darling. Um, but you know, you're, you're very welcome. The cat is, the cat is down. I'm, I'm sure they'll return on their own leisure and Lonlin will climb down from the tree and kind of <laughs> try to tend her little scratches. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Dandelion, after a moment or two, like the kid kind of goes off like, Buttons, here Buttons, I want to pet you this time Buttons, and wandering off in the direction that Buttons ran. Um, Dandelion is like kind of like prancing around and licking uh, their haunches and turns to you and says, I'm really sorry, Lonlin, I thought this was a bigger one. I thought this was more important. Um, I, I didn't actually, they just said they needed help. Oh, I, no. I didn't know what it was for. It's okay. No, I mean, we we did a good thing, and um, we we should really catch up with the others. I'm, I'm sure they're dealing with bigger problems than kitty cats and trees. They're probably totally fine. Absolutely. They're, they're absolutely 100% fine. Perfect. And we cut back to the rest of our party, standing beside the ship, which is on its side, uh, broken mast on it. Lonlin comes over a hill and Pierre is being chased at full speed by Captain all around this field. Also, I'm absolutely covered in blood because oh, I yeah, tried to um, save a person inside of the grung. Oh, didn't, yeah. It didn't work. Yeah, you thought that the uh, the person was just fully inside the slab and you tried to like pull their body out. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was gone for like what? Thirty minutes? What? An hour? However long? What happened? So much. 
Everything went wrong. Uh, Lonlin will race down, thinking the blood is crickets, and she's immediately no, going to start looking him over. What's not mine? I'm okay. The fact that the blood isn't mine is also a bad thing, though. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a lot of blood. As you're having this conversation, you see uh, a portal open up in the air about 20 feet above you, and you see uh, just these big silver claws reach through, pull their, like, a draconic body through. This silver dragon roars uh, and flies through this portal uh, and, like, beats their wings and is looking around for a threat. And you see Argentina Coldhearth has just pulled herself through a portal. Did, did we call Argentina? You did not. What is happening? <laughs> um, Argentina assesses the situation, realizes that there's not an immediate threat, uh, and you see this giant draconic body uh, land just before you on the ground. Where's the emergency, dears? What can I do for you? I heard screaming on the sending stone. It sounded like a dying cat. That actually might have been a cat. It's, it's a bit of a long story. Uh, a, a moment later, you see another portal open up on the ground and a wheelchairing uh, Aloysius MacGuffin comes bursting out, like has a fireball in his hand, um, is getting ready to throw it, looks around, sees the situation, just says, um, Argentina? Salem looks around for their sending stones in confusion. <laughs> These two people look like they burst through a portal at like at speed, grabbing whatever they could as they heard something that sounded like distress. Argentina uh, looks at you, looks at Al. You hear a big draconic <sighs> she sighs and then transforms into her grandmotherly form, her halfling grandmother form, and says, all right, Didis. So, um, maybe an explanation. Why? I thought you were all dying. I came. It sounded like you were dead or dying. There was a lot of screaming, and then there was a crashing sound, and then more screaming. What? What's going on, dearies? And Al kind of like keeping a wary eye. Yeah. Um, snaps out the fireball in his hand. Um, what, um, what, what happened? And uh, Salem, you do not find your sending stones in your pockets. Feel free to take a look around if you would like. No, that's okay. Salem's not going to look for them just yet. Uh, but they will look back towards Aloysius and Argentina and uh, rub the top of their head for a second. Um, um, it was a, <clears throat> a, a test. Pierre runs past like a cartoon in the background, followed by the cat. Definitely wasn't. Uh, I mean, it was. There's. Salem looks towards. <laughs> Cricket for a second. <laughs> 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 <Did you> say <laughs> me? 
Uh, and then realizes how bad Cricket looks and looks towards Lizette. Lizette's drinking from the flask. <laughs> looks towards Longwood. She looks so confused and slightly terrified. Um, <clears throat> things got away from us just a little bit. It's been a really long day, and I know it's only part of the way through the day, and maybe we should talk about things. Al looks at you all, looks at Lonlin's confused face, says, Honey, you and me both, huh? You see that they both kind of have this like air of tension around each other. Argentina is staying on one side of the group. Al is staying on the other. And just as you're kind of talking, you can still see Pierre running at full speed. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's going to eat me. Uh, as Captain, meow, 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 just fully chasing Pierre in the background throughout whatever conversation we have. <laughs> I love that aesthetic. <laughs> Argentina says, Nate, um, yes, maybe a, a conversation is in order. Uh, Al, do you want to do the thing you do? And Al says, Right. Yeah, sure. Um, one moment. Uh, and he uh, kind of wheels off to the side, uh, pulls out a wand, uh, sticks it into the ground, and you see a doorway appear in front of you. Uh, it's a doorway. It's like it's extra wide to accommodate the wheelchair. And uh, he says, well, uh, I guess right this way, everybody. Uh, opens up the door, and you see that as the door opens, the portal that is shown through is this really opulent like California bungalow style mansion uh, you see no stairs anywhere but you just see like a nice like wooden uh, entryway with uh, some jazz music gently playing in the background and um, like a whole bunch of art deco uh, wallpaper lining the walls and Al begins wheeling in looks at you uh in like kind of waves all of you looks at Argentina sighs and says all right come on in Argentina uh and wheels you into his magnificent mansion I want to learn this spell one day hey uh I mean you just gotta you know stick your nose in a few books where they don't belong and you too can also learn spells from places that they shouldn't be I mean, this is a good one. It's like, especially out on the road, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Uh, do you yeah. happen to have a shower someplace? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, down the hall on your uh, on your left, uh, third, fourth, and seventh doors are all washrooms. Uh, the fourth one has a jacuzzi, if you want, but uh, maybe just uh, third or seventh, uh, a little bit quicker, if you yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. Um, be right back, guys. All right. Uh, the rest of you, why don't you join me in the, uh, in the dining hall? And he kind of wheels towards the right and uh, pushes through. And as he approaches the door, uh, the door is just like open, like shk, like Star Trek doors just sliding off to the side. And you see as they do, Al just kind of has a bit of a smile on his face as they open up for him. Uh, and he brings you to this lovely uh, sitting room with a very long table uh, and set out on the table there are a whole bunch of different like 
tea desserts and uh, silver tea sets. And there's just some gentle jazz music playing a little bit more like maybe like one or two instruments, fairly like mood and room music, nothing too vibrant or exhaustive. Uh, and Al just kind of wheels over to a table and says, well, uh, please sit. Lomlin will slowly pull out a chair, looking to her companion, still very, very confused and have a seat. <laughs> uh, Lomlin, did Dandelion come in with you? I mean, Dandelion is a free celestial being, <laughs> so I, I guess it's up to Dandelion. I think D- Dandelion would uh, at, like pause at the door before going in and just say, Gee, sounds nice to me, London. May I join you? Of, of course. Clump, clump, through these like wood floor hallways. Uh, but as Aloysius sees this, uh, kind of thinks for a moment and he watches one of the chairs uh, disappears and there's just like kind of like a pillow that's raised to basically just below Dandelion's uh, belly height. So like Dandelion could essentially sit by resting on this pillow and it's at the table. And then uh, Al thinks again for a moment and instead of like a tiny saucer of tea, there's just like a big bowl of lukewarm tea uh, set in front of Dandelion. Great. Um... So, we'll we'll wait until uh, Cricket rejoins us, but um, in the meantime, uh, Al and I are both here, it seems. So, I guess any questions for us before you get to maybe some sort of explanation? Deities. Did you, were you two like a thing? Oh, uh... Salem was just about to speak up <laughs> and looks over towards Lizette and then just face bombs <laughs> uh, and goes looking for drinks. Uh, Lizette, can you make me an insight check? Yeah. Um, Lizette, like, out of the corner of her eye kind of sees Salem start to look for drinks and just holds out the flask. She's <laughs> <laughs> not even, like, like looking at Salem them, just, just, like... Just take it and slouch into the chair nearest Lizette. <laughs> um, that is an, an 18 on insight. An 18 on insight. Uh, there is definitely a little bit of a a twinkle in both of their eyes when you say were they a thing. Um, but there's definite history here. Um, and you get the sense that maybe there was a romantic entanglement, but also maybe it didn't end in the cleanest way ever. All right. I guess you don't have to say much about it. Great. Well, um... It's it's a long story, of course, dearie. Uh, you know, Al was one of the defeated five, and quite quite the dashing young adventurer. And and well, I I've always been a an admirer of of a keen mind. And uh, Al just kind of pipes up and says, "It's I I think they get the idea. We we don't have to say very much more. All right? Oh, you don't have to explain too much. I know quite a bit about." Dragon mating, like oh. stepfather, oh, yeah. is sort of in the business of it. You don't need to elaborate. I was just curious because you called each other honey, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I read that in your uh, in your employer report. Um, that seems awkward. Maybe 
Uh, yeah, I don't know why they put it in the employee report. It was a, it was a little bit violating. Sorry, yeah, it's a bit. Of, it's an extensive background check. We kind of like, you know, we're paying people to go out and essentially potentially be murder hobos, and we kind of want to make sure that the people we bring into the employee don't have very many murder hobo tendencies. So it's a little bit exhausting. It's at that time, I open the door. <laughs> my hair is frayed like I just put a dry towel around it. I have a wide look in my eye, and I just go, I thought there was a person inside of that frog, so I've tried ripping out his guts. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's time now for you to start explaining a few things. Uh... I'm all ears. What happened? And also, why did you call us? Do I have to answer this? <laughs> uh, I guess I will. Uh, Salem takes a long swig first and then puts it down right in front of Lizette. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So, about, God, a week and a half, two weeks ago now, mm -hmm. we were on our way up to investigate the thing that you sent us to investigate, uh, and we happened to stay overnight in Bleak Spire at this establishment called the Churlish Gnome. Hmm. And we did all of the things that you hired us to do, so that's uh, uh, that you sent us to, uh, that's all done. But we stayed overnight at the Churlish Gnome, and well... One one is staring at Cricket. <laughs> it was quite Churlish. Uh, I mean, it, I guess it says what it does on the tin, so... Yes, but well... You see, the gnome was was rude to Lonlin, and Salem looks over towards Lizette for a second. Just drinking. <laughs> you, no, you're not gonna. Uh, I, I, me, <laughs> I'm. All right. We imprisoned him. It was. Uh, uh, I can't. I. Are we just? I, I can't can't keep it in. It's just stressing me out. We did no such thing. What happened was he was rude to us, so I brought him to the archives, and then I left him there, and then he went kind of batshit. Um, started, I guess, praying to the archives, became his patron, he went unhinged, and now there is a small gnome with way too much knowledge and power wreaking havoc over the countryside. Oh. Also, he's looking for the Fagia. Yeah, he's looking for the uh, the artifacts to bring about the corruption, which is also another thing that we haven't really mentioned, is that they are trying to end the world. There's a bunch of syndicates trying to end the world, so to speak. Uh, you see, as you say this, there is a serious look between the two of them. Uh, and there's kind of a moment of stunned silence. And Argentina... Uh, sitting at the table um, with like a tea like halfway to her lips uh, slowly sets it down and says hey Dee sorry um just to clarify we can go back to more specifics later but did you say 
the far gear. Y yeah. Uh, that uh, the uh, apparently the order capture corruption is trying to find it. Uh, you know the whole orrery of the wanderer stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Oh. Uh, she kind of looks towards Al again, and then there's a moment in between them, and they just look back at you. Um. Hey. So, how do you know what he's looking for? He's really bad about just writing things down. Yeah, he sort of laid out his whole master plan and then just left it lying about. So, it wasn't too hard to put together the pieces. Oh yeah, he's also, um, apparently it's in, like, the water by Almanaeus, I think? Oh. Yes, that. You... That's... You have an, a location. Two, actually. Two locations. I uh, think it was, like, by the Bleak Spire location, and then the, um... Uh, yeah, the Lake of Bleak Spire, something like that. Uh, and then the, the lake kind of by, um, Almanaeus. Uh, out of character, it's actually the bay outside of New Republica was the other option. Aha, you're right. I was just yes. I was literally just looking through my notes and I found <laughs> I found it as I made that mistake. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, Al, do you have any questions? Uh, and Al, uh, actually, anybody make me an insight check, please. I got a 14. That's All not right. funny. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Much less. All right. Uh, with a nat 20, uh, Lizette, as you are watching these two people take in this information, um, there is definite like shock and kind of fear just at the mention of the far gear, but there's also a tremendous amount of disbelief and confusion. And I think with that nat 20, you pick up on the on the fact that they believed that the Fargear was destroyed, that the Fargear no longer existed. And I think kind of to hear that not only does it exist, but that it there are two places, like it's one of two places. I think you see a lot of shock and quite a bit of terror on their face. Uh, which they mask from most of you, but Lizette, you just kind of get this insight, and it's almost like almost as if you're reading, like, a little heads-up display ab like above their heads, where it's showing their thought process. I'm going to need both of you to start answering some of our questions now. Okay, yeah. Um, it does sound like I mean, I've still definitely got some more questions for you, but yeah, what do you need to know? For starters, what do you know about all of this with the, the corruption and and the far gear? It's it's evident that you're not telling us everything, and I'd say that we're pretty deep in the shit with it now, so we deserve to know. Yeah. Um, all right. You are indeed pretty deep in the shit of it. 
and uh, well, you are the new Faded Five after all, so I guess it falls to you. I guess uh, you chose your name with uh, a little bit of premonition. And uh, so you've heard that the uh, Orrery of the Wanderer was what was actually used to summon the corruption and my four companions and I fought it and were able to drive it back with not an insubstantial amount of, of help from companions like uh, Argentina here. Well, um, we scattered most of the pieces around the world, or rather they, in destroying the orrery, the pieces flew off and got scattered in Argentina specifically has been looking for them, and Argentina says, that's me, it's been a bit of a an obsession of mine is to try to find all of the pieces, and I've got the one, as, as you know, and I'm pretty certain I know where the where a second is, but I, I thought when the Ori was destroyed, we saw the the f well we saw its component pieces fly off into the different directions all of them except for the far gear and there was no sign of the far gear flying off uh we looked for it looked for signs of it and even at the blast zone there wasn't any indication of uh, planar magics in excess of what had already been, you know, used and summoned, and uh, Al kind of takes over. Well, we we assumed that destroying the Orrery of the Wanderer, we had actually destroyed the Far Gear, and so although Argentina has been looking for the other pieces, we've been. Um, well, we, we were hoping that even if she failed and someone else managed to get the rest assembled, it wouldn't be everything. Um, yeah. So if they get the far gear, is everything over? Or do, can we still get the rest of the pieces and stop it first? Oh. So we can definitely still get the rest of the pieces and, and, and hopefully stop it, but um, the reason that the the far gear was such a, a thing of concern for us is well, it's it's the thing that actually opens the portals. It's the thing that uh, that tears the, the holes in the fabric of reality. The rest kind of just amplify it, so um, mm. Mm, cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Very awesome and very cool indeed. How do we stop it? Uh, actually, we'll, we'll probably let's focus on getting it first, and then we can figure out how to stop it. Great. Uh, so, I guess you have a destination. Um, where are you you're heading to? Uh, which one? I'll look back at like, the rest of the party. 
I th think we were looking for the one uh, by Olmanais. We were headed to Olmanais, yes. And uh, I mean, you were public uh, It was a bit far for us to get to by comparison. Right. Okay. Um, okay, this is a lot to take in. Wow. Uh, kind of big threat that I'd kind of written off uh, right kind of back in the world in an instant. So, wow. All right. Very intriguing. Uh, and kind of turns to you all uh, and then looks at Lonlin and says, uh, Miss Longlin, um, you seemed a little confused by what was going on, and I think you might have a few questions for the group while I can collect myself. Yeah, um, Dandelion and I went to go help a villager. Um, we, we thought it was more pressing than it needed to be, but you... You saw the churlish gnome? Um, no, we just sort of picked up the pieces that he left behind. Yeah, he, he sort of left, off, uh, left us a bit of a message with a, a person as well. I think he's alive. Yeah, he's alive. We gave him a lot of gold. <laughs> we took care of him as best we could. Yeah. Can't say the same for the others. Great. Um, if you point me in the direction after we've had this conversation, I'll make sure that that person is is well looked after as well. I'll I'll, I'll assist with that. But you, I yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Lolan. Sorry, I, I I I just I I don't really know what happened as a whole. Like I I arrived and Cricket was covered in blood, and I not my blood. And then these two showed up out of nowhere. I uh, at that moment you hear a banging on the door, and just please, please let me in, please. It's coming, it's coming quick, please, please. <laughs> uh, there's a snap uh, from Aloysius. The door opens. You you see Pierre run in at full speed. The door is slammed behind, and you just hear <laughs> scratching on the outside of this door uh, as Pierre runs in, dives underneath the table, and just says, if a cat asks, I'm not here. <laughs> oh, Pierre, don't worry. I think in a one-on-one -on -one fight, you could probably take it. Nope, I've tried. It definitely almost <laughs> killed me. Well, you know, fair enough. Everyone's got a starting point. Uh, yeah. Where were Turns we again, sorry? Nets, not any effect against cats. They just shred them. I need a new net now. <laughs> Good point. We'll make sure to buy you another one. Don't worry. Cool. Um, also, hi, hi, I'm Pierre. Sorry to barge in. Um, this mansion appeared out of nowhere, but looked like maybe a place where I could get away from the cat. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Pierre. I'm hiding under the table because I don't want to get eaten by a cat. Hello. And Al kind of bends down. Hi there. And Argentina just kind of raises an eyebrow at the rest of you. Is, um, is this the one that survived? No, that's a butler. Oh, you've, wow. Okay, well, you've 
certainly um, made your way in the world. I mean, yeah, surprisingly, butlers are pretty cheap, but Pierre's done absolutely fantastic. I might have to raise my rate. I'm sorry, I didn't realize there was quite so much cat hazard. Uh, like, maybe an extra silver per week. I, You know, we could probably swing that. Thank sure you so much. An extra Wait, silver. We're paying him? <laughs> of course we're paying him. I thought the payment of our company was more than enough. I thought the whole point of this was we're going to give him a life before he dies quickly. <laughs> you know we are paying him. I mean, column A, column B, I guess? Well, it's, I mean, the experience is great for me. Mostly I send my wages back to my my brood in Olmeneus. Um So really that you're paying them. I'm, I do very much appreciate the chance to live before I die. I never thought I would die by getting eaten by a cat, though. Well, that doesn't have to happen just yet. Um, anyway, Lonlin, to explain a little bit more about the situation, um, there was a thing that happened, and the person we were talking to, I think, transformed into a big frog. Um, so I thought it was, like, a mutation covering its body... Uh, and I was trying to get him out because the person I thought was still alive. Turns out he he was he was the frog. So I just butchered him a little bit. I was I- I- intentionally to save him, unintentionally to murder. You know, I, I was kind of hoping that might clarify things, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just as confused as ever. He turned into a frog? Essentially, um, the Churlish Gnome has gained more abilities and more powers, and he's been opening up portals to summon creatures from other realms and have them wreak havoc on small towns, and we came across one of the towns, and one of the villagers turned into one of these creatures and Cricket very endearingly tore him open with his bare hands trying to find the human inside and that there was no human inside. It <laughs> Turns was, out I'm not a great doctor. It was very entertaining. <laughs> I, I don't see how that's entertaining. I guess you just had to be that. It was it was quite <laughs> Cricket's a wonderful musician, but he's even better a performer. <laughs> I guess I never realized that body percussion meant, you know, internal percussion as well. <laughs> I, you know, I have never worked with a liver before. I don't know if I want to start now. Well, I guess he wasn't much of a liver, though. So. <laughs> Amazing! Good Lord. Uh, I'm sorry. Man. I just had to toss that joke out there. And the mood is very dark. We're probably all gonna die. Oh. So, London, now you're caught up, and Mr. McGuffin and Argentina, both of you are as well. Wait. Um, my final question, and uh, London did pose it as well. How and or why did you call us in if you you seemed very surprised to see us? Uh, and at that moment, um, you just hear from Al's pocket, uh, just a little ting, and then... 
and Al pulls out his sending stone. Yeah, it, uh, it sounded like this. Um, what do you? What, who's doing this? That's gonna walk over to the door and open it. Oh God! Uh, you walk over to the door. You open it. Uh, the cat uh, isn't right at the door, but like a moment later, streaks into the room. Um, just like angry hissing cat. Pierre, uh, hearing this cat coming and seeing it, uh, says, "Oh God! Oh God! Oh God!" Uh, runs around, starts kind of like freaking out, not certain what to do. Uh, jumps on top of like. Uh, on top of Lonlin, uh, on, realizes like Lonlin's not super tall, uh, jumps over to Cricket's shoulders, realizes that Cricket is still sitting down, uh, and jumps over onto like some, like a chandelier that is hanging, uh, and is just swinging up there. Uh, please don't eat me, please don't eat me, please don't eat me, please don't eat me. Uh, and the cat uh, just like insane and incensed, running in, caterwauling at the top of its lung, runs in, uh, like runs towards what's happening sees Pierre up there sees Salem sitting down and just like changes course in a moment uh, uh, runs forward towards Salem claws extended Uh, Salem do you do anything as this cat jumps towards you with their claws extended Salem creates a minor illusion of a bucket of water (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you watch like Time freezes for a moment. This cat is leaping towards you, snarling, uh, claws extended, um, as like kind of like seeking retribution on Salem, or at least on anyone, and just happened to have picked Salem. Uh, you see, as time free like slows down, this bucket of water appears. The cat registers it. You see the claws retract. The ears like flatten against the head, and the cat. Uh, fully lands on your lap without the claws and just uh, and is like tense bodied uh, like back arched hair still sticking up ears plastered down tail but its eyes are just focused on the bucket of water and it seems like it is currently not attacking Good captain. <laughs> Make me an animal handling check. I'm going to say with advantage because you got a bucket of water. Open okay. it's a cat. Yeah, water. <laughs> uh, I've got a 13. Uh, 13. Uh, captain never fully relaxes, but isn't digging claws in. And it's just like the tail is still flicking. Um, and the captain is like eyeing the water as long as the minor illusion appears uh the captain is just eyeing it um but if you ever dismiss it captain will like shift his focus to look at pierre swinging enticingly on a chandelier um i'm going to use prestidigitation to create uh i guess a little spray bottle for pierre Right, you can, yeah, you can make a non. Okay, it only lasts until. Oh, that one only lasts until the end of your next turn. Damn. I guess I'll. Uh, I guess I'll. I'll make another minor illusion. Um, for Pierre of a spray bottle. Okay, uh, Pierre uh, sees the minor illusion, uh, grabs it. You see, like 
because he's kind of still swinging a little bit, the minor illusion is kind of like passing in and out of his hand a little bit, like just kind of phasing through his hand as his body motions and rocks. Uh, but he just looks at you and says, Mix them. Thank you very much. I believe you've just saved my life yet again. I owe you a debt. Thank you. Not a problem, Pierre. Just uh, whenever Captain gets Captain-y, just, you know, the, the spray bottle. Okay, so... We'll get you a, a better one later. That that one's a little bit uh, leaky. Okay. Um. Quick clarification question. Whenever Captain gets Captain-y, Captain... Um, Captain is always very Captain. Should I spray them now? No. Not while they're on my lap, please. Okay. Thank you. Um, thank you. I looks Pierre. over at Al. Pierre. Oh, yes. Come, come down from the chandelier. Oh. Okay. Um, can you hold on to Captain while I do, please? I will hold the bucket of the spray bottle, uh, but just... To be safe, could you do that for me? Yes. Okay, thank you. Pierre? Uh, yes? Where are my sending stones? I don't know. Um, I think Captain stole them. I think Captain is more intelligent than we thought, and I think Salem Captain is... going is... to pick Captain up and <laughs> shake the cat. <laughs> um, Wait, oh, oh my god! <laughs> uh, make me a... Uh, make me an uh, let's make me an investigation not, not like aggressively shaped like yeah. shaking like you're trying to hear if something's inside yeah do you think the cat ate the sending stones I am 100% certain uh, and I got a 24 <laughs> um, you begin like shaking the cat hasn't swallowed the sending stones but you actually see much like a chipmunk the cat has put the sending stones into his cheek one in each cheek um, and it seemed like uh, the cat has figured out that he can spit out the sending stones and speak into them. Uh, and you find two sending stones covered in cat saliva in Captain's mouth. Uh, and Al looks over at you as you do this says, well, uh, I guess that explains that. I cast prestidigitation on the sending stones and leave them on the table. <laughs> Wait, you could have cleaned me this entire time? <laughs> it was for, for dramatic effect and for... I mean, honestly, I can only clean like a cubic foot uh, at, at a time, and there's a lot of blood on you, Cricket. Also, I red mean, is such a lovely color on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad y'all are thinking that. Um... I'm clean now, so no more blood from now for the next immediate future, please. Thank Salem you. considers this for a second, <laughs> but, but doesn't create any more illusions. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Well, um, so it seems like we've answered or we figured out most of the mysteries and you seem to have a uh, plan, a destination in mind. Uh, is there anything else, any other information we can give you? Uh, Al, can I ask about my dad? How, how's he doing? Oh, uh, he's actually doing really good. Um, sorry, I, uh, you know, I should, I should act, I've got the pair of sending stones, I could give you guys an update as well. Uh, 
he's actually doing really well. Uh, he, uh, just for safety, uh, you know, we've kind of shifted his his schedule and we've moved him into a different safe house. And he was kind of a little upset to be moving away from the, uh, well, from the city yard, but uh, he seems to have found some some use in the MacGuffin's uh, vehicle yard. And uh, he's actually, he's been doing a lot of innovation for us. Um, you know, for uh, the last like 20 years, most of our engines have been a, like kind of an inline kind of piston. And he actually suggested that we try a little bit of a, of a V-shaped piston. And we we're actually finding that we're getting a significant amount more torque out of some of our vehicle engines. So it's actually like, uh, yeah, he's, he's doing really well. Um, kind of looks around at the rest of you and, um, the rest of your family's all, they're all fine as well. Um, the, uh, it seems like our precautions have worked well. Um, Salem, your, uh, your mom, and, well, your family entirely, uh, were, uh, they've agreed. Uh, it was, okay, it was hard to convince your mom especially, but they've agreed to act a little bit more uh, discreetly. Uh, she's kind of taking a bit of a leave from her, her case at the moment. Um, you convinced her to take a leave? That's shocking. Yeah, um, it cost us a lot of money. Um, and all of that didn't actually go to her. Uh, she insisted that it went to about five charities, um, which was actually good. We, we need to do more philanthropic giving at MacGuffins. So that was actually like really, uh, you know, a good wake up call. Um, she did, however, also insist that we, uh, the, the, the case that she was working on that was, you know, suing us that we just plead guilty. So uh, we did that, and that seemed to, to, to do it. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, I suppose. Well, uh, I mean, to be fair, hey, it was our it was our blunder. So, I mean, it we kind of were fighting it just because we felt that the uh, the cost was, you know what? Um, it just felt like she was asking for a little bit much, but you know, it's fine. And uh, we are happy to pay uh, if it means that we keep you and them safe. And also, like I said, we need to do more philanthropic giving. So it kind of, it, it all comes out in the wash. Good, good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cricket, your dad kind of, well, your dad said he doesn't, didn't know you. Um, we, uh, you actually went to go talk. Okay. Uh, that's fine. He, he's got so much security anyway. He'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not like, we're, we're, we're a pretty powerful, uh, institution and we, we know how to deal with a few things, but yeah, he does have a lot of security and, uh, it did take a couple of adventuring parties to actually get even just an audience with him. Oh, adventuring yeah. parties to actually, I, 
you know that, that that doesn't surprise me too much. His uh, office building oftentimes does look like a bit of a dungeon. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. A lot of traps. It seems like inefficient. It seems very inefficient in a it's city. It's pretty gratuitous too, actually. Now that you yeah. mention it. Yeah, just like there, there's the front door. But if you knock on the front door, there's like a trap door underneath the welcome mat that slides you down like a weird slide and then you get trapped in a dungeon and all you can eat are trail rations which i mean they're pretty good that is a very thorough who wrote that report oh well uh that was ched Um, oh no (laughs) yeah ched thought he had like a bit of a connection so he could kind of like maybe yeah, he thought like he, you and him had uh, a good like rapport, cricket. Um, oh yeah, no, we do. But uh, Tatio is kind of a different story. Yeah, it turns so, out Tatio is a dick. Turns out he's a dick. Yeah. Your Sorry. Father is Tatio, cricket. Tat- Tatio, yeah, uh, CEO of um a tr- uh, a rationate. Ah. He's like kind of around, but like not really. Is that? I, I wasn't really supposed to be a thing, you know. I'm a half elf. He's a full elf. My mother's some I don't know where, but I got I, I I got put through school. No debt. I'm good. Hey, I mean, student loans are a bitch. So like the fact that you were able to get through without any without any debt, that's I mean, that's something. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm definitely grateful for that. And just uh. <laughs> Anyway, um, world's ending. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, let's get back to that. Yeah, uh, your families are all fine. They're all good. Um, yeah, and, uh, Lisette, yeah, your mom, uh, and your stepfather, uh, they, well, um, we've just been keeping a watch on them, because you did ask that we didn't approach them directly, so, uh, they're, they seem... Have you, you have you told them that you're back? Um, not exactly. Well, you know it's your your family, so it's uh, good to know that they're all right. Though it's good to know that she's doing just fine without me. Uh, m- make an insight check for me, Lizette. Well, I've been doing good at these today. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> That's a nat one. <laughs> oh. I think you're very much in your own head when you say that, and you kind of don't pick up anything that, like, a look from Aloysius or anything. You're very much in your own head, uh, and you're feeling like your mom is doing is thriving without you at the moment. And that's all I can really ask of her. Can I make an insight check on that? Uh, go for it. Curious about everybody else's families. Yeah. Uh, natural 20. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> god. Oh, right. There we go. Um, I stole your role. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, as Lisette says that and kind of like implies like, you know, that she's not like that her mom, of course, is thriving without her. Um, you see Al like begins to say something. Um, and then thinks better of it. And you, almost like the way Lisette kind of saw a thought bubble, you see this emotion pass across uh, Al's face. And what he is saying is, 
like she like or what he wanted to say is that she's not doing well without you that she misses you uh but that he didn't think it was his place to say that and he stopped himself all right deities um so the world's ending uh let's refocus up again uh so you're going to omaneus to the lake and you're going to uh stop this churlish gnome it was does he have a name other than churlish gnome that's a really good question i feel like he told us before and we just well i didn't really care okay uh you know hey sometimes you gotta like give the villains a title because then they abstract from the humanity and they feel a lot less like people and more like a force and or like a character and it's easier to put them down so i can i can understand uh let's just the churlish gnome is fine uh so you're going to go find the churlish gnome and hopefully stop him before he gets the far gear wow okay well, um, she turns towards Al. Uh, Al, do you think the, do you think the company, uh, could maybe give them a way of being below the surface of the water? Uh, do you have any sort of, like, outfits that could work for that? And Al says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a couple of somethings, and he uh, kind of makes a gesture in the air, uh, and you see a little hole appear, and he op- he reaches in and he pulls out a like a hat box, and he reaches in, pulls out another hat box, and another and another, and uh, kind of looks at you and says, "I think you might want these as well." Uh, reaches in, and you hear a clinking sound as he pulls out. Uh, what look like metal uh, shackles, but you see they're covered in a whole bunch of runes, and they're seeming to kind of like phase in and out of existence for the moment. Um, and he uh, gestures that little portal disappears, uh, and he says, "Well, uh, I can help you with uh, with a couple of things. Uh, each of you." Uh, these aren't, they're in hat boxes, but they're, they're nothing fancy. They're just like, they're just a little fedora. Uh, but, uh, put them on and each of you can, can breathe underwater. That'll, it'll encase your head in, uh, have you guys been to the Olmenaeus, uh, amusement park? Oh yeah. No, I love that place. Yeah. So it's basically the exact same principle, but this is centered in the cap. So you get a little air bubble, uh, in this cap and, uh, yeah, uh, they're, like I said, sorry, they're nothing very fancy, kind of looks at Salem. They're definitely not high fashion, probably, but, uh, you know, sometimes needs must. Oh, that's fine. We can make these work out. And Salem is going to uh, take a, a very critical look at all of the different uh, sets of apparel and then look over towards the rest of their party with a thoughtful expression on their face. Excellent. Uh, and those fedoras function as caps of water breathing. Um, and then Al kind of gestures or holds up the, the shackles that are, again, phasing slightly in and out of existence. Uh, he says, well, these are um, 
These are dimensional shackles, which were something that we uh, found was quite necessary uh, during the corruption, during the war. Uh, getting people to stop from teleportation was could be a, a bit of a game changer. They couldn't run away and then come back stronger. We could stop them and dispatch them if we need to. So uh, sounds like you might need something like this for the... Uh, you're, uh, you're the big bad evil guy you made. Yeah, we made it. That um, yeah. yeah, yeah, we did that. I'm not gonna sugarcoat. This is def. This one is seems like it's pretty squarely on your group's shoulders. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, set of dimensional shackles for you. Uh, and uh, yeah, once you snap them around the churlish gnome's wrists. He won't be able to open them. Any of you will. Um, and uh, yeah, he is then stuck on this plane of existence, which could be a pretty useful thing. Cricket, do you want those or shall I take them? You're fast. Faster than me. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, I could do that. I'm also pretty strong, so I could grab them and then shove these on. That's what I figured. Yeah. I've I'll take him. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of put him in uh, and just kind of hold it with, uh, in my arms. I don't have a bag just yet, I think. <laughs> I don't know where I left it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's on the ship. Uh, here, just... Uh, and uh, Pierre uh, kind of, like, looks uh, looks at you, uh, re reaches behind, has his, like, bag of holding. Uh, oh, right, yeah. Says, oh, you can just... Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd happily carry them if you want, or you can hold them on, hold on to them, whatever is easier. Um, yeah, you know what? Let's let's just give it to you. Yeah, yeah. That okay. that holding is uh, doing quite nicely. Cool. I'm happy to give them to you, whatever you need. So, yeah. Um, and uh, as these are given out, um, sorry, just totally blanked on her name for a moment. Argentina uh, clears her throat and says, "Wait," and as joint employees of both MacGuffins Incorporated and myself. I feel like our interests align and I would like to give you something to aid you as well. Something from my hoard. Uh, from my collection or other, I prefer. Uh, this might be... Maybe these are like extended loans. Uh, you can have them until you die. Uh, hopefully of old age. But when you die of old age, I would like them to be returned to me because they are technically mine. <laughs> and you may not know this. Uh, she kind of smiles wryly. A dragon doesn't often like to part with their collection. So um, I've got a few options for each of you in mind, but um, maybe uh, kind of looks towards... Uh, Lisette first. Um, Lisette, do you feel like you'd be uh, better served by something that gives you a little bit more of a damage output uh, or makes it harder for things to resist your magics? Or do you think you might be better served with something a little bit more uh, to control the terrain or offer a little bit of protection for yourself and your companions? Or uh, 
Uh, two other options. Uh, one is a way to have a certain spell uh, kind of on hand without having to use any of your, um, you know, essence, a, a spell slot at the moment of casting. Or, um, now this one is a little bit weirder, but I did recently come across some books which do, they're, they're intended mostly for wizards, I believe, but I think you, with your knowledge and your ability to access arcane secrets, I think you'd be able to make them work. So is there anything in that that kind of speaks to you? Damage. Damage? All right. Uh, very decisive. I love it. Uh, in that case, uh, and she also kind of does a little gesture, uh, reaches a hand through, uh, and you just hear her saying, oh, right, no, sorry, oh, where is it? Oh, where is it? Oh, it's this one? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Oh, it's this one, right, okay. Uh, and she pulls it back, uh, closes the portal, and hands you a rod of the Pact Keeper plus two. Whoa! All right. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, as you say that, Cricket, uh, she turns to you and says, um, so, uh, Cricket, I see a little bit of, uh, desire and jealousy in your eyes, and, uh, I've got a few things that might kind of work for you. The first one is a very fashionable belt that increases your ability to lift things or to jump farther or, or just generally uh, increases your strength. Or um, I've got a nice set of greaves uh, that can be worn either over top of your clothes as a fashion statement or underneath in order to, you know, not ruin the cut of your pants, whichever you prefer. But these uh, allow a little bit more of increased jump just on their own and they also kind of make a fun sound. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> or I have uh, a nice a nice coat. Uh, it's a blazer with lots of different patches on it. Um, elbow patches and uh, oh, it's all very fashionable. It's all very nice. It's all gilt-edged, but it, it has a lot of use. And uh, the last one is more of a trench coat with, uh, well, it's it, it allows you to do some, uh, well, it increases your abilities to move about the 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 space, as it were. Right now I'm torn between the belt and the greaves. Can I take a look at the greaves real quick? Uh, you know, of course, of course. And she, uh, again, gestures, uh, reaches in, and you see she pulls out these, uh, like, they look like insect chitin. Um, they, but they have, like, uh, kind of silver edging on everything. Um, and they look quite nice, and there's a little bit of, uh, like, Art Deco, like, 90-degree designs kind of running down the lake. The, the leg, even though this is a very organic sort of thing, it's been stylized with a lot of Art Deco inspiration. Um, and as she kind of pulls them out, uh, just hearing them move, you just hear the sound of crickets uh, jumping through the air. I have to take it. <laughs> it's got to be it. It's literally me. <laughs> I thought oh, like yes, one. please. Okay. Uh, and you have the Titan Cricket Greaves. I've been looking at these on online, well, not online, um, store shops for ages. 
I, I modeled my nickname after these things. Oh, Ooh. I can't believe I got the, this edition. The, this is a very unique edition. Uh, it actually, there's only one of a kind of this one. Uh, and it's yours now. Well, for now. That's true. Oh, well, when I die, you definitely get them back. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, Salem, uh, I've actually had a bit of a hard time choosing for you. I've, I feel like in my collection, I might have several things that work. So do you feel like more like something that works off of your sorceress ability or maybe something that's a little bit more um, about movement or uh, I've got so I've got two options for sorceress abilities I've got uh, one option that'll make you uh, if you don't mind me saying Didi you do look a little bit uh, sickly at times uh, There, it looks like you could use a little bit more uh, a stronger constitution as it were uh, so there's something for that or there's something that makes it uh, harder for you to get hit um, and then there's, well, there's really, there's about four other things for you to choose from. Um, one is a way to have almost like a dandelion here, but not, not as w wonderful as dandelion, of course. Uh, more like something that you can stow or have come out and then be able to move quickly around the battlefield. Or there's, um, there's something that, I know your aesthetic, you do, you use a lot of raven feathers in your aesthetic. And I found this little figurine in my collection that, well, it just reminded me of you. Uh, and then the last thing is just, um, just a way to uh, better hit creatures with, uh, with especially creatures that, that fly. Oh. Well, Argentina, you certainly have quite the collection there. I do. It's I've been working on it for centuries. I've got to say I'm quite impressed. What a choice. Well. I do feel rather frail sometimes, but I know it encourages me to keep moving stay out of things. I think I like the idea of that movement thing, whatever you were talking about. Right. Well, uh, and she reaches into uh, another little pocket and pulls out a silver and like a chrome uh, handlebar. Um, very clearly, like this looks like a bicycle handlebar without the rest of the bicycle. Um, and she, uh, looks at it. It's got like these lovely, uh, leather grips on the side. Um, and as she hands it to you, she just says, uh, so if you like, uh, and she just says, vroom, vroom. Uh, and you see that the, uh, handlebars stay where they are, but growing out of the center of this, you see like two spokes going down to a rubber wheel or a, like a, a rubber tire um, and then a sleek uh, body with like a gas canister and a seat behind little 
foot pegs and then another uh, single rubber tire behind as a full-on magicycle uh, appears on, like, right beside uh, Argentina and you. That is precisely what I was looking for. Excellent. Uh, I mean, I imagine it'll be less useful underwater, but uh, that's, uh, that's quite all right. Yes, but, I mean, sometimes you've just got to think about what's going to be fun for later. Oh, exactly. Yes. yes. Right. Um, and Miss Longman, um, I've got a few potential ideas for you. I, I've got two options to make you, well, not necessarily harder to hit. It looks like you're, you already do have quite a, a substantial amount of protection in the clothes you've chosen, but, um, one makes it so that should someone get a lucky hit on you, it's less impactful. Uh, there's one item that I could give you that allows you to increase your your movement speed to make you just faster in general, which can always be useful. There's one that... I know that you're very in touch with your deity uh, and protecting others, but sometimes carrying in a sword can be quite uh, an imposing thing and Sometimes all you want is the handle. So this is a way to have a sword, but only have the handle need to be visible. Or the last thing that I have for you is, again, tied into the idea of protection. But it's a way to have that full protection without needing to compromise either on fashion or on the ability to be stealthy. Sorry, you said something about stealthy. Uh, yes. Um, there's one of the options that I have is essentially armor that doesn't require, that doesn't weigh anything. Ooh, uh, what kind of armor is it? Uh, she will kind of smile at you. She'll make another gesture, reach a hand into a pocket uh, dimension and pull out a little jar. Uh, you see she pulls out a jar and it is a glass jar and inside there is just like this swirling bronze liquid uh, and she says oh I forgot to mention this one also would give you a little bit of uh, resistance to fire damage which I know again might not be that effective underwater but it's always useful uh, and it would be and it she's, uh, you see like on the label um there is a picture of full plate uh, on the label of this jar. Oh, uh, so hmm. so do I apply this? Do I drink this? How does this work? And how do I return it if it's opened? Right. Well, this one, it's kind of as long as you're wearing it, uh, it's fine. If you ever end your attunement to it, uh, your connection to it, it'll return to the nearest vessel that it can. So... It'll, it, it's applied, it's not drunk. It's, uh, and it's not a potion. It's, uh, this is actually, this is armor. It, I, you know, I, I will take your word for it. <laughs> uh, if it's okay, I would, I would love to borrow this. Of course. Right. Well, uh, please enjoy this molten bronze skin. Um, 
which is uh, magical armor. Um, it's a jug of molten bronze. Uh, when you attune to it, the bronze adheres and contours to your skin. The armor can be worn under normal clothes, but it doesn't impede bodily functions or movement. And once you put it on, it can't be removed unless you choose to do so. Um, while wearing the armor, you have resistance to fire damage, and the armor doesn't impose disadvantage on stealth checks. Hey, Lonlin. Lonlin. Cricket. Cricket. Hey, Cricket. Lonlin. Yeah? That's hot. <laughs> I, uh, he's, I'll, I'll let you have that one there. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and as this meeting comes to a close, um, the the party is shown back out to your ship um, in her dragon form. Argentina writes her ship in the or- correct orientation and then casts mending on the on the sail. Um, and says, great, well, um, good luck, and, uh, if you call me, uh, maybe just to make sure it's not the cat, just say my name. If I just hear the cat, I'll assume that you don't actually need me this time. Uh, toodaloo! Uh, and she will pull out the timepiece of travel, uh, and I guess she's still in her draconic form, because I didn't say she reverted. So she's still in her draconic form. She just pulls out this timepiece from like a little scale pocket uh, and clicks it and you watch as she disappears. And Al says, right, well, um, good luck team. Um, I guess not only the company, but the world's kind of counting on you and I'll, uh, I'll get things mustered over in New, New Republica just in case uh, your information's wrong and it's actually over this way, so uh, good luck, guys. Yeah. It was good to see you again. Thank you. Oh, hey, you know, that's nice to hear. Thank you very much. It's good to see you all, too. Um, yeah, I hope you uh, I hope you don't die. And he will snap his fingers and disappear. <laughs> well. <sighs> I can Shall jump we? 125 feet in the air now, by the way. that's also without a running jump cricket what the hell (laughs) i I love it i mean i literally have cricket legs now can we get you any higher than that (laughs) oh what if we get him on the airship and then he jumps on the airship so how high would that wait we have to worry because there's there's kind of like actually that's a quick question if i jump that high do i still like hurt Falling down. <laughs> uh, I think if like the ability to jump that high, I think gives you the ability to land. But I also love the idea. Like, I mean, it is technically possible to really injure yourself just jumping. Hmm. This this is something that we shall discover in game. As, well, all right, so landing, landing in the water does grant resistance to falling damage. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm just ready and waiting for the instance where we fight someone outside when there's not a ceiling so we can jump and land on them. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, and if if you had any sort of way of reducing that fall damage for yourself, like you could get 
like from 135 or whatever, that's 13 D6, but between two people. That's... I'm, it's, it's like a final move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it's a cool final move. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And I think with that, uh, as our going out picture, uh, let's take a five minute break. T20's podcast is sponsored this week by Tardy Taylor's Timely Tracks. When you need a new radio spot or advertisement, and you need it right on time, consider using Tardy Taylor's Timely Tracks. It may not arrive on schedule, and is in fact likely to be late, but we guarantee that when it arrives, it'll be right on time. In fact, we believe that the tardiness of our tracks ensure that their timely arrival is truly treasured even more. So, reach out to Tardy Taylor's Timely Tracks for your next radio advertisement or musical jingle, and we'll be sure to get back to you... eventually. We're also sponsored this week by... Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream. Are you tired of looking tired? Do wrinkles give you wrinkles? Is your skin so rough you could be hired as a sanding block? Then you need Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream. Guaranteed to make you look 10 years younger. Simply apply the Mystical Miracle Night Cream to your face before a nice long rest every day for four months and hey presto those pesky pores and regrettable wrinkles will disappear Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream is not actually a miracle. It is made using the souls of innocent children. By purchasing Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream, you are agreeing to being complicit in the robbing of life energy from children and making them age faster than is normal. Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream is pretty clear about its evil nature and therefore cannot be expected to be held accountable for side effects, lack of results, or the internal strife of its customers as they struggle with the guilt over having deprived children of their youth for the sake of vanity. Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream has been known to cause legitimate certain users, as well as death, undeath, vampirism, proboscis elongation, oratory hallucinations, and a misplaced feeling of invincibility as customers are returned to their angsty teenage selves. Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream does not offer refunds or returns. If after hearing this ad you still buy it, that's on you, chump. I'll say it again in case you missed it. Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream robs the life essence of children. So buy Myrtle's Mystical Miracle Night Cream today, and you'll be 10 years younger in no time. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. Welcome back from break. So you've just been given a slew of magic items. Your ship has been repaired and your two benefactors have both bounced. What would you like to do? Well, we've got to get to the... We've got to get to Almanaeus. We... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's but... the only option, right? Basically, yeah. I guess get the ship going and then we'll figure everything else out from there. Absolutely. All right. Excellent. Uh, you guys are going to get the ship going um, and start flying. Who's going to fly? And if and whoever it is, can you just make an airship handling check for me? I'll do it. 
All right. We all know what happened last time I did drive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we're going to let Pierre drive it from now on. Pierre doesn't get to drive it into battle. That's for damn sure. (laughs) That wasn't even to battle. That was to pick us up after battle. Oh, that's true. God. Also, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know what my brain was doing, but when you said um, someone needs to make an an airship handling check, I thought you were going to say whoever's driving needs to make an airship noise, and I was so ready. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Whoever's driving, Lizette, now needs to make an airship noise. <laughs> What's an airship noise? I need to know. I need to know too. Crutches <laughs> <laughs> just like in the corner there. <laughs> was that the sound of the little girl coming up from the TV in the ring? That's <laughs> driving. <laughs> the, the airship is powered by the archives. While Lizette is in control. While Lizette's in control, like you see out in the back there, just a whole bunch of like ring girls falling, like climbing out of the ship and then falling to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Because, out of the engine. That's how it's propelled. Sixty miles per nightmare. Oh my god. <laughs> Quick, we need to find a few more kids to fuel we this just, we just, shit. No, 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 no. We just need to let Captain loose. <laughs> no. Oh. Oh God. Endless, endless energy of Pierre being chased will power our ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put Pierre on like yeah. a little treadmill and then put. Captain behind him. Yeah, Captain behind him. Yeah. Oh my god, I hope we're having this conversation right in front of Pierre. (laughs) I would do it. If it meant the cat doesn't actually get me, I would do it. But if that if that cord snaps, I will die. So (laughs) it's fine. He's got like what? Like only a couple more months to live anyways. Oh my god. I think I've got I think I'm down to five on average. If we take the average of my species. I think I've got about five. So Maybe. I can't remember what I said before. I, I feel invigorated. Also, I feel a lot older, so maybe that's young. Or, I don't know, it feels like this last day has really aged me. Yeah, that would do it, though. Constantly facing death. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, another experience before death. Uh, and <laughs> let's fly! <laughs> oh, Lizette, take us up! <laughs> There's a 24, by the way. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, 24, no problem. You're able to lift off and start flying. And it'll take you about another uh, two and a half hours to get to the lake. Um, or kind of like to the edge of the lake. And you know, based on the heading that you're going, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to bypass Olmeneus. Olmeneus, the city itself, um, is going to be about 10 or so miles uh, kind of off to the west of you. Yeah, the west of you. Uh, so you're going to be passing past it. You could divert and go to the city if you need to pick something up, or you can head right over to the lake or whatever you would like to do. Yeah, what's our, what's our entire game plan? What are we thinking of? What are we expecting? Wait, do, do we usually have a game plan? <laughs> and, and just to confirm, I think we've had a short rest as well in the intervening, oh, yeah? Full show, yes. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sorry, thanks. No worries. I mean, you said at the beginning uh, that we just get one whenever an hour's passed, but I just wanted to clarify that an hour had passed. Yes, so. oh, for sure. Yeah, that was definitely okay. an hour of conversation. Yeah. Cool. 
I think it was in real life too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Wait, is this something we can even really prepare for? Well, uh, <sighs> oh yes. Right. Okay. So, uh, Lizette, pick a color. Green. Lonlin, pick a color. Uh, yellow. Cricket, pick a color. Yellow. Wait, no shit. Cricket, you can't have the same <laughs> color as Lonlin. That'll fuck the whole thing up. <laughs> Orange. Orange. God, you're the. <laughs> All right, fine. Orange. Okay. I guess it's orange. Uh, What's wrong with orange? Orange is a nice color. Oh, orange is just, just very close to yellow is all. And I think Cricket did that intentionally. Not really, actually. I was just thinking what my favorite color was and that was yellow. And then my second favorite color was orange. Oh, we can trade. I like orange. You can have yellow. <laughs> sure, yeah, let's do it. I'll be orange. All right, yellow it is for me. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Salem cracks their knuckles. <sighs> and looks between the three of them and quickly spits out a few arcane phrases uh, and is going to prestidigitate all of the the outfits, the armor, and the equipment of the, of the party, uh, since you can change color with prestidigitation, to share a color scheme. The Ooh. base is going to be black, because that feels appropriate for most of the party. <laughs> so Sorry, Lonlin. Uh, but at least London's has a nice, bright, vivid orange in it now as well. Black is very slimming. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Salem's going to change uh, the the appearance of all the clothing and armor to make everybody, well, now wearing bright and well, dark as well, I suppose. But the same the same clothes, just uh, a, a team. You know, the colors are all connected. That's hey, I like that. And, and hold up, Salem. What yeah. color is yours? Purple. Purple. Nice. Like a like a deep purple. Beautiful. So it's almost like in in shadow or something. It's just gonna look like pure black. But yeah, just just about nice. Love it. Do we have a Do we have a symbol? Uh, it could be a cat. <laughs> no, it's like a mascot. Oh no, Pierre's a mascot. Uh, Pierre, you see, is reaching like into his. Uh, backpack and was about to pull out like a bit of a like drum kit oh that sort of symbol sorry and puts this symbol back in his bag i reach out and snap a finger and change pierre's clothing as well oh oh shucks thank you very much and i'm gonna make it uh i'm gonna make it blue for pierre beautiful you see pierre has like still wearing his butler's outfit so it was already mostly black but now it's got like blue piping or like trim on the outside and the uh the bow tie that he's wearing is now this like vibrant blue um and uh yeah he kind of looks down and says oh thank you very much that was lovely oh we're almost like a rainbow this is so pretty well i figured if we're going to be the next fated five then we might as well look the part right appearance is uh important just, I, I gotta say, I have to form the head. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Sorry, what? In D and D, I miss. What? 
No, I don't it's understand. A, it's a Power Rangers oh, reference. Oh, my God. It's like a Power oh, Ranger Voltron. Yeah, yeah like a Voltron so Power friends. Rangers. I was just you know? like, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I will link a song. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> you watch it later. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm down to be the legs. I, I'll, I'll jump for us. That, that'll be what I do. <laughs> Is the chest an option? Is that something that I can volunteer for? The heart sure. of the team, Lisa. I guess. God damn it. <laughs> I guess that makes Pierre and I the arms. <laughs> and the cat is our helmet. <laughs> uh, you say that, and Captain comes over, uh, like pulls his body up your legs, Cricket. Oh, owie! Yeah, that hurts! Uh, and then, like, fully sits on your head and goes to sleep. Now, what would happen if I jump? <laughs> uh, Pierre looks at you says, do it. Please. <laughs> no, so, I would die. The, the claws would be in my brain. I would... It would be hard. It, it would... Uh... Anyway, let's get this going. Oh, are we already are, are we already flying? Uh, actually, yeah, you're already on route. Uh, oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, are you Remember, bypassing that Omenaeus? nightmare powered airship? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you bypassing Omenaeus the city? Or are you making a slight diversion to go into Omenaeus? Uh, what you thinking? Do we need health potions or other potions? I could go for some health potions. Actually, I should check my inventory because we have some gold. <laughs> I could always go for a drink. <laughs> yeah, basically the same thing. Well, uh, I mean, I've still got some coin from before. I suppose we could pick up some potions, grab whatever's whatever we can find. Oh, maybe it, depending on how expensive it, it is, just uh, like basic plus one weapons. So in case we deal with creatures that um, you know, resist. Um, a non-magical weapons we don't feel like we're not doing much I really like the idea of plus one weapons as a marketing thing you know just like <laughs> I, I know that like that's one of those things in D&D that uh, yeah but but I'm, I imagine that in, in New Republica there's shops advertising plus one weapon with like a big <laughs> comic, book, comic book font on the front window 100% I, I also like the idea of someone misinterpreting it I'd like to buy a plus one weapon. I'd like to buy this weapon for me and this weapon for my companion. We're going to a wedding. We're invited to a wedding, so we're going. We need a plus one weapon. One, one for me and one for my plus one. That's canon now. There's... <laughs> Absolutely, there are big advertisements for plus one or plus two and plus three. Uh, Oh, the plus three is a really wild time. I, I, it makes me kind of frustrated. I, I've never been to it. Ooh, that feels like an event for someone else, but oh. ooh, maybe, 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 a, maybe a fantasy can come true. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh. oh my God. <laughs> All uh, right. That, that gentleman's going to have a nice time with that wedding. <laughs> Thank you for that aside. Uh, I will go buy some stuff. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So you're making the diversion to Olmenaeus. Perfect. Um, yeah. You fly towards Olmenaeus. Uh, there are airship docks. This is actually a big enough city. Uh, and with that 24 from before, I think, Lizette, you're able to pilot in and land this or and dock the ship perfectly. Uh, and you find yourself in Olmenaeus. Again, this city is a like 
half underwater, half above water city. There are many people that kind of exist in that liminal zone between uh, Amphibious and uh, Aquin and Terran uh, in terms of like where they find comfort. And you see there are lots of like tall buildings, lots and lots of piers reaching out into this lake that extends as far as the eye can see, which is quite a beautiful and breathtaking lake. And as you approach the city would have been just beautiful. The sun hitting into the water and bouncing off in a nice way, not too blinding at this hour of the day. And just lovely as you approach the city. Salem, you would, I think, no problem at all finding someone who can sell you some potions. Uh, you've got uh, a lot of connections in... Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, yeah. I'd use that, that black market connection to buy some potions, I think. Exactly. Uh, do you want to roleplay it or just buy a few potions? No, that's fine. We can just buy some potions. Okay, perfect. Uh, you can buy some potions. Um, I forget exactly what the costs are, but I think it's 25 for a regular and uh, 50 for a greater. Um, do you, do or, you want to use like the like the traditional pricing scheme for it? Because it's 100 for a regular potion of healing. And it's, I think, 150 or 175 for greater healing. Sure. Yeah. 150. Yeah, 100 and 150. Wait, no, f- sorry, 50 and 150. I apologize. 50 and 150. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, in that case, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, do, do they Thanks. have any other potions available? Uh, make me an investigation check. Okay. Okay. And I would say with your background, make it with advantage. Yeah, I was considering whether or not to use human determinations. So that makes it easy. Uh, dirty twenty. Dirty twenty. Role playing captain, there, thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, perfect. Yeah. Um, w- with a dirty twenty, what sort of potions are you looking for? I think you could probably find one of kind of any potion that you're looking for up to, I would say, rare. Up to rare. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Then in that case, uh, I will look for a potion of invulnerability. Ooh. Uh, yeah, you, using your black market connections, you're able to kind of look for the person who sells potions this alchemical supplier uh a very like long lean-bodied tabaxi um you see that their fur is mottled and actually missing in places especially around their forearms where it looks like maybe they have um had a few failed experiments um and uh they're kind of like a little bit like wild-eyed but you're able to find this person in a uh, a back alley they've got a trench coat on in like that classic like back alley deal kind of thing it's almost like a caricature uh because hey i'm making a caricature so i'm having fun uh but yeah you find this like caricature of kind of an illicit seller uh and they are able to find you the perfect potion of invulnerability I want to buy all my potions from Tabaxi now on just so you have to do that again. <laughs> that was great. Uh, I will. I would like to buy a, a potion of vulnerability then. Perfect. Um, 
Yeah, I can't remember exactly how much it is. Uh, we can three thousand eight hundred and forty is the recommended cost. Okay, well, in that case, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's I've a, got the, a lot. the insane magical items prices. Yeah, it is quite a bit. Up to you. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. It seems uh, it seems reasonable for what it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I was just going to say it seems like a lot of your money that's left, but also, you know, that money was essentially free, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to spend it, and I'll buy a potion of greater healing for everybody as well. Okay, great, awesome. Dunka. Yeah, uh, this back alley potion dealer uh, seems very pleased with your business, and kind of, uh, as you're leaving, uh, just calls out to you and says, have a, per oh, damn, it didn't work, damn it. <laughs> uh, have a perfectly fun day uh, and then kind of swirls their trench coat uh, throws a smoke pellet on the ground and then you see them running uh, down the alleyway you might want to stay uh, undercover for the next little while things are about to get damp in the city I expect they always are uh, and uh <laughs> this, yeah, runs down the alleyway, turns a corner, uh, seems incredibly pleased to have made such a sale. Uh, anything else that people are looking to buy or do in Olmenaeus? Plus one uh, longsword, plus one longsword! <laughs> plus one longsword over here, plus one longsword. Not for weddings! These ones are not for weddings! These ones are magical weapons! Please stop inquiring if they are for weddings! <laughs> you can just buy a regular sword for your plus one. You don't... Okay... I, I get the confusion, but you don't need to keep asking about this. Just, this is a magical weapon. Uh, please make me just an investigation check. Or a persuasion, if you want to, like, ask people to find, for where to find I'll, I'll do a persuasion. All right. <clears throat> uh, that's a lot easier for me. <laughs> that's a 23. A 23. Uh, yeah, you are able to find a... Uh, yeah, a magic weapon seller. It's just a blacksmith, but you see that like this is a blacksmith that has a symbol of the forge above the the door, and you just see this like <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. You see this big, uh, broad-shouldered uh, female uh, hobgoblin who, uh, as you enter, uh, kind of gestures at the uh the sign uh doesn't seem to speak um just gestures at the sign uh when you make your inquiry about wanting a plus one sword uh pulls out a specific like case and gestures and shows you four different swords there's like a great sword there's a long sword a short sword and a rapier uh, uh how much are the plus one long swords a plus one long sword. Um, how much should that go for? Uh, that's uncommon, right? So that should be between. I probably gosh. just don't have enough for one. <laughs> um, I mean, if Salem gives you some money, you probably have enough. But let me check. Oh, um, I'm, I'm bankrupt after buying that oh, potion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's a thousand gold. Yeah, it's under combat items, plus yeah. one weapon. Yeah, that's a thousand. I don't have anywhere close to that much money. Uh, they're this, like, hobgoblin, uh, broad-shouldered, uh, with a hammer, as you say you don't have enough money for that, uh, looks at you, closes the case, pushes it aside, and 
just gestures at the sign above the door or like the the symbol of the forge above the door and you see that there's like a little donation thing below it uh kind of raises an eyebrow at you uh but doesn't seem to make any other inquiries and as you uh like after making this motion this hobgoblin just turns back and clang 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 you see is actually working on building it like just a regular old horseshoe. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, horses are still a thing, even though there's people with motor coaches and flying ships. People still ride horses. Yeah. I mean, horses are still around today. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I will bid the hobgoblin adieu. Um, uh, goodbye, ma'am. Uh, have a good one. And then I'll, I'll wander out because I don't know if we have a thousand gold between all of us and I don't know if we want to spend it all. On the plus one weapon. <laughs> you do have a paladin. That's true, yeah. Who has a spell that can do that. I think it's concentration, though. It is, but just thinking. That, that's very, <laughs> I can just always have it prepared. That's good. If you would be available, that might be a nice thing. <laughs> we, us yellow and orange has got to stick together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We're basically <laughs> the same color. We're basically family. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, actually, as you're walking through the town, uh, Salem, you're noticing that people are uh, giving your fashion choices like nice appraising looks. Like people are appreciating the uh, the clothes you're wearing. There's people that are just like, oh, that looks really nice. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's a lovely color. Uh, and Cricket and Lawnlin, oh, kind of like matching, but oh, nice. Like orange and yellow often sometimes would clash, but like actually kind of like working together in this one. Like really good eyes. Really cool. Love it. Awesome. Great. Damn uh, right, we're hot looking. Salem yeah. struts through the streets. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Lisette uh, Longlin, anything you would like to be doing, purchasing, looking for in Omenaeus, or just kind of reconvening with the group? Uh, Longlin would just sort of be doing the, I'll watch the bags and sit on the bench as like a mother would. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> uh, we don't deserve Lonlin. Uh, we, no, we don't. There's the one second that she wasn't here and we were... You bombed. used a cat as a moral compass, so yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm just vibing, just writing, just reading the, the notes that the Trillish Gnome had left behind. Okay, ooh. Make me an Arcana check, please. Ooh, gladly. Ooh, that's a natural 20, which means that's 31. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. It's without fail. Yeah, I think so. I think I can But it's it's like, sorry, it's Lizette's like third nat 20 arcana check, I think, in a row. Yeah. Yeah. My God. My dice roller has like the lineup today. It's been 19, 20, 21, 19, 20. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Uh, okay. Natural 20. All right. So um, you've already got a lot of the information about like what he's looking for, uh, where he's going, stuff like that. With a natural 20, as you're doing this arcana check, you are reading his notes. Um, and you know that he is doing a, a similar thing to you in that he is writing it down and it's kind of being fed to the archives in, in exchange for more power. Um, but unlike you, he doesn't need a specific book. He's writing on whatever. Uh, so there's a little bit of 
chaoticness to his connection to the archives. Um, you also, as you are reading your or reading over the notes, there are a couple of things that really jump out to you. The first one is that kind of midway through a note, there's very clearly a time jump. Um, and I think with that natural 20, you know that what happened was he willingly went back to the archives and came back. And time is a weird thing and it exists not in a linear fashion in relation to the archives. And so you know that although for you, you were gone for a year and it was a year physically out in the real world, the Trillish Gnome was imprisoned for almost a year and it was about a week in the real world. Um, it seems like the Trillish Gnome maybe went back and was instantly kind of like returned to the time he left. I think you somehow just pick this up, but you know that he came back with more knowledge. There is like this moment of kind of what points it out to you is like there's this questioning like the kind of the top half of the page or whatever he's written on is like these questions, these theories, these hypotheses. And then like a sentence later, there is something that shows extensive research and knowledge gained. Um, and so that's like the first thing you pick out. The second thing you pick out is uh, actually a bit of his theorizing on the spell that he used to transport um, or to teleport. It is not fully complete in these writings that you have. It seems like he might've done some more after you left, um, but you get the very, very clear idea that with a tiny bit more work from you, you would be able to do something similar. Uh, it involves summoning some sort of creature, riding that creature back through their home plane. And as long as, you exit their home plane before the un before the summoned creatures kind of like summoning time runs out. Uh, you can cover vast distances of ground because the planes don't align perfectly spatially either. And so what is a short jaunt on say limbo might be several days walk in the material world. And you know that you are maybe like a couple of hours of like devoted study away from being able to do this yourself. Okay. So just like a couple hours. Yeah. Question. Yeah. So if I'm a couple hours away from being able to do this, mm -hmm. is my relationship with the archives strong enough that I would be able to hop into the archive or does Lizette think that she'd be able to hop into the archive for like a couple minutes in earth time or in like regular plane time and use that time in the archives to, to make it a couple oh, hours. Shit. I did just introduce this mechanic. Uh, yeah. I think uh, with that natural 20, I think you do feel like it's something to do not only with, like kind of randomness and chaos, but there is some order to the relationship. Um, and a lot of it comes with from intention of the person going in there and 
intention of the archives themselves. And I think if you can essentially persuade the archives, you could absolutely do this. Um, it would just be a DC 12 persuasion check. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm assuming that I'm kind of like sitting with, with Lonlin on this bench, sort of like if, if Lonlin's the mom at the mall, that's like kind of like letting her kids go wild. Lizette is like the reluctant little sister that was dragged along that just wants to study. <laughs> and upon realizing this, I think she's just going to like put the notes away and turn to Lonlin and just say, um, so I'll be back in about 15 minutes. If I'm not, leave without me. Uh, wait, wait, where are you going? I'm going to go on a little field trip. <laughs> I'm going to go to the archives. Lonlin, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lisette says she's going on a bit of a field trip. And then you see that, like, a book open up around her and slam close, disappear, and Lisette disappears. Uh, Lisette, you find yourself in the archive yet again, uh, underneath this red sky, the central reception desk stands in front of you and you hear, uh, in your head, oh, welcome back. It's been an interesting few days, hasn't it? You could say that. What can I do for you? Well, it's come to my attention that I am no longer the favoured child of the archives. And I'm here to rectify that. <laughs> oh, shit. So, we can go about this one of two ways. You want to gift me with knowledge, and I am here to happily accept the offer. If you are to let me have more control over the space here. Interesting. An intriguing offer. Make me a persuasion check. Okay. <laughs> so that's a 14. Oh. <laughs> Just barely. Oh. Uh, this voice in your head, you hear a slight chuckle. <laughs> we deepen our bond. Yes. There is a reason that you are yet favored. Uh, and you feel an awareness kind of go into your mind and you can control how much time passes in the outside world when you stay in the archives. Thank you. I hope to make this worth your while. I'm gonna start researching. All right, absolutely. Make me just another Arcana check. Uh, I'm gonna say DC 18. That's an 18. <laughs> oh my God. Holy shit. All right, so um, full disclosure, Marcus, the DM, definitely thought that you'd have another week or two to actually fully write the specifics of that spell. Uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, so uh, you know the spell. 
And um, I will write the specifics of exactly what it does and get that to you by next session. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Oh, man, that's one of those things where it's like, oh, this would be cool if the bad guy can do this. Cool. How do they do it? Eh, I'll figure that out. Oh, great. A natural 20. Cool. Oh, uh, you have one more session. It's a, uh, one more. It takes two hours. You probably, oh, you can go to the, oh, great. Um, yeah, cool. It's a DC 18. Oh, you got it. 18. Great. Cool. Um, yep. It's yours. <laughs> <laughs> Every DM ever just yeah. suddenly feels your pain. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, you finish up. Uh, the archives says, ah, copycat. Um, and there's a, a little bit of like happiness as it kind of gives you this little bit of a jab. What can I say? You, you provided him with quite a clever idea and I am not. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> You made noise! Uh, roll me a luck check. Roll me a luck check. That's six. That's six. Uh, silence descends around you. Uh, you see in the hallway, like leading into this central atrium, uh, two silent ones. One on your, uh, like one to your left, one to your right. Uh, the world around you is fully silent. Uh, as these things start coming towards you again, they are these humanoid forms wearing suits and like a tie and a fedora, but their faces do not actually contain any features and they begin moving towards you. What do you do? I'm going to run at them. You're, you're running at them. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Roll initiative. I can't leave. Them. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a three. Okay. Um, can you please make me a charisma saving throw? Um. Oh, it's a good thing I'm good at that. That's a that's a twenty-two. <sighs> okay, a twenty-two. You see, one of these silent ones uh, reaches out towards you. Uh, there is this moment in your mind where you feel kind of like your personality being pulled away from your head um this one silent one uh has tried to do something but you're able to resist it uh can you make me a wisdom saving throw now that's a that's a that's a 11. an 11. uh as this one happens you feel your body lock up uh you are now incapacitated for one round um the first one wasn't able to do what they were trying to do. The second one was able to. Uh, at the end of their turn, they, or rather as they're as you're running towards them, they run towards you. Uh, you feel, it comes around to your turn, you feel your body lock up. Uh, it is back to them. Can you make me another DC 18 charisma saving throw? That's a 16. Okay. Um, you feel your ability to make noise, vanish. You feel your throat close up. You feel that you are unable to speak. Uh, and then the second one is going to make an attack. Uh, 15 plus two, 17. 
17 hits. Okay. Uh, and you are going to take... Uh, you're going to take 16 points of psychic damage. Fantastic. Uh, and these things are both circling you. Uh, it is fully silent around you. Uh, and you cannot speak. It is now your turn. Cool. Um, so I can't move, right? Uh, the incapacitation has ended. You can move now. Oh, okay. Um, so it hits me, um, and I'm going to wink at it. And I'm going to do the thing where it just summons an aberration just because I get hit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's up to you what happens. Uh, freaking amazing. Uh, there, you see behind these two silent ones, this tear in reality opens itself. Um, this, again, a like quad tentacled being with just a glowing ink center pulls itself from this portal. Uh, actually, doesn't make any sound. Uh, just pulls itself forward, slaps onto the ground silently, uh, and is going to... Let's see. Okay. Uh, is going to make two attacks, one at one of the silent ones and one at Lizette. Fantastic. Cool. Uh, and now I need to pull up the Chaos Quadrupods stat block. This is not how I thought this was going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, come on. Marcus, take out this dead air. You can do it. All right. Uh, the first one is going to be against Lizette is an eight, so it's going to miss. Whew. Uh, and then it's an eight against the silent one. Uh, this chaos quadrupod pulls itself forward, and the two tentacles, just one lashes out at you, one lashes out at the silent one, but they go wide. Uh, it seems like this thing kind of uses a little bit of sound to hear where things are. Um, and uh, you summon this as a reaction. Uh, this chaos quadrupod has pulled itself from a portal. It is still your turn. Okay. Um. Whew. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna cast thunderclap right here and then book it. Can you speak? Um. Do I, does I, it I'm have verbal? Sure I'm pretty sure it's just thematic. Is it just somatic? Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you cast Thunderclap. Um, there is this feeling of uh, magic being cast. You feel this like air being pushed out, but it is perfectly silent. Um, and you watch as nothing happens as you cast Thunderclap in an area of complete silence. Uh, but you're allowed to book it. Still gonna book it. Alright. Uh, they are each gonna make a attack on you. Uh, 11 plus 2, 13. Nope. And a 4 plus 2 is a 6. Nope. Alright. You book it. Uh, and yeah, you can get 30 feet away. Um, on their turn, uh, they're going to try to follow after you, but the Chaos Quadrupod is going to try to make two attacks as they move. Misses on the first one, uh, hits on the second, uh, and is so grapples one of the silent ones. 
uh, and the other's uh, silent one is following after you and gets right up beside you again. It's back to your turn. I'm going to keep booking it until I can feel myself be able to speak again. Okay, absolutely. You keep booking it. Um, make In this case, just make me a series uh, of checks. I'm going to get you to make uh, two athletics checks and a straight up luck check. Okay, okay, not bad, you scrawny little librarian. That's a, uh, that's a, a dirty 20. Hey! Meow, 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 meow. That is a dirty 20, um, a 14, and the luck check, I got a natural 20 again. <laughs> oh my lord. Amazing. So, what a session. All right, you are running. You, with those, like, athletics checks, you're able to outpace this thing just enough. You're able to gain some ground. You're running down hallways of the archives. You're, like, taking corners at speed. You're running. This thing is chasing after you, but not able to catch you. Um, as you're, like, it looks like it's getting close, uh, but you're just able to outpace it. Uh, and then you see on, like, as you're turning a corner, one of the bookshelves, uh, there is actually, like, a book cart for replacing books. Um, you go past it, you're able to grab it, swing it back, it slams into the silent one who's chasing you. The silent one falls prone. You run past, uh, you run outside of its aura of 120 feet. You can hear, and as you go to speak to try to get out, you realize that you are still unable to speak. And with it, natural 20, there's this moment of pause and uh, fear in you because you don't know how long this is going to last. And then you take a breath in and as you kind of like cough, <coughs> you can you realize that you can now speak and your vocal cords have unclenched and you're able to get yourself out of the archive. Okay. I'm going to shout, fuck you! Cast chatter and leave. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, you cast shatter. Boom, boom, boom. You see books and papers go flying in the blast as, again, this like paper surrounds you. A book slams closed uh, and you appear back beside Lonlin after having spent how much time in the archives? A couple hours for me, like like five minutes. <laughs> Lonlin, five minutes after she left, Lizette reappears. Just like, oh, thank God. Chattered, just like. <clears throat> Why did you go back? Um, uh, I've got good news um, on the bright side. We can. We now have an upper hand on the uh, Charlish Gnome. Uh, the downside is my throat's a bit sore. <laughs> oh, uh, do do you want a lozenge? I think I might have like a mint in my my bag here. One second. A lozenge is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> sunshine. She'll go get fetch a mint from her bag. <laughs> Excellent. And as you hand a mint to Lisette, your companions rejoin you on the bench. And we're going to end today's session.
Tune in next time for another exciting adventure in the Dirty Twenties. How will our heroes find the churlish gnome in the giant Olmeneus Lake? What new knowledge has Lisette uncovered? And what shenanigans will our heroes get up to with the new toys that they have received? Tune in to find out. In the meantime, visit www.dirty20spodcast.com, all spelled out, to be the slipperiest slad on Sunday. If you want to contact us, you can send us an email at dirty20spodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and if you send us any fan art, we'll be sure to add it to the website. Remember to rate review, and subscribe on whichever podcasting app you use. My name is Marcus Stusek. My players were Craig Chapman, Richard Chapman, Toby McGowan, and Elliot White. Until next time, friends, stay safe, stay kind, and don't take any wooden nickels. There's also some like really insane superpowers that they gave Superman at some point, like at one point that kind of never got talked again. Uh, one is that he has super math, um, in that he can do math really good. Oh, math! I thought you said math. I also thought you said math. <laughs> <laughs> he can do math really good, guys. He gets super so high. Fast. <laughs> <laughs>